Is this art good? Hi there. Hello. Welcome to Is This Art Good? This is the second time we recorded this intro because I made a joke that was too powerful too quickly uh, and no one's ever going to get to hear it. Yeah, it actually fried the recording. Yeah, it fizzled. It frizzle fried. Yeah, it primused out. <laughs> That's right. Um, we're not talking about primus though. No, um, I'm Devin. Hi, I'm Alphonse. Yes, uh, we are... Today we have a... Fu- I'm just fumbling and mumbling all over the place. This is shit. Yeah, frambling and mambling. Wow. They call me a rambling man. This is the second music reference we've made in fucking 55 seconds, and uh, we're not even doing an album today. What are we doing today, Alphonse? Uh, we're talking about uh, the most recent JoJo part. Uh, we're talking about JoJo Rabbit, unrelated to our previous uh, JoJo uh, art reviews. Yes, but it is related in that Jojo is a nickname for somebody. Yes, true. Yes. For, uh, is it Johannes? Uh, I believe yeah. is his name. Yeah. Yeah, Johannes. A cute little kid. A cute little oh, blonde boy. He's adorable, and he loves Hitler. Oh, fuck. He absolutely... It's really great. I mean, we on one hand, we've talked about uh, just good child actors before yes. in general. Yeah. Um, Not in the show, but overall in our in our personal lives and this kid yeah absolutely nails it like he just fully encapsulates this you know the the hitler youth brainwashed nazi opinion yeah he he simultaneously like embodies that but is also just like kind of this bundle of joy at the same time and it's very weird because it's almost like hard to fault him for his beliefs yeah he's he's so young like he's so innocent yeah that was the like the first thing that struck me about this was like it's really well i guess not the first thing the first thing when i started thinking back about it i was like yeah this is just a coming of age movie but it's a movie about coming of age and finding your identity at a time when like that was the most difficult arguably the most difficult thing ever to do as a german child yeah yeah or incredibly easy to do because it's like yeah this is what we believe cool yep and then you're just in on it there's a national identity just thrust upon you and you're like yeah all right that's just the way that things are yeah and that's kind of how those like systems like how fascism kind of works you know yeah exactly you appeal to people's most base well base fears and base desires and then just go from there and, and turn your identity into the fulfillment of those things yeah i think there's a line specifically where one character says that he isn't a nazi he just likes being part of a club and i think that that kind of like encapsulates things yeah elsa says that yeah she has a few um a few lines like that right where where she's just trying to she's kind of trying to separate his personal identity from the national identity and that's why i thought that this was really a coming of age movie yeah it was because it's like it's what it's about you finding yourself and then finding the things that people are thrusting upon you and trying to align those with each other yeah yeah well let, let's step back for a moment sure so you this was your first time watching this yeah i hadn't seen this i have i think pretty much all my friends and like people i know who are film buffs have seen it and i just didn't yet so right, i'm right. happy to be talking about it 
Yeah. I saw this uh, in theaters originally when it came out. Um, I think I might have mentioned in the previous episode, but the theater uh, didn't get their poster for this movie. And so the out in the lobby, the like poster for it that they had hung up, it was in the fancy poster frame with the lights and everything. But it was just a black and white printout of the poster. And and it just it's so (laughs) sad. I think uh, we'll probably have put it out as a promo image uh, on our Instagram, which you can follow uh, at is this art good? Uh, you can follow us on Twitter as well. I follow ours on Instagram. I bet you do. Cause, yeah. Because it's ours. Um, well, yeah, but I don't like the post or anything. Okay, once in a while I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that'll be up on there. It's it's so It was just so funny to me. Just this like tiny little poster like, oh yeah, here's this movie. It's here. Was there Was there anything about the movie after you saw it that made that more funny to you i think to a degree it reminded me of like just (laughs) there's like the scenes of him putting up the propaganda and like i don't know something something about this movie being about like these really serious things but kind of approaching them in a goofy way it like almost accented the fact that it was like this tiny little poster was just like it, it was so like disrespectful to this movie in a way yeah, that's funny, and that's a good point. Like, this this movie I thought was re- a really peculiar angle on, I guess, the World War II because it was being seen through a child's eyes. And there are so many movies f- about World War II mm-hmm. and particular battles or particular conflicts. You know, Inglorious Bastards is, like, a, an obvious one that would kind of be in the same, like, milieu as this. Yeah. There's even some examples of, like other other films about world war ii that are like from the perspective of children so like there's like the boy in the striped pajamas but then there's also oh that's true uh, the book uh milkweed which i read as a child and was actually how i was introduced to the idea of world war ii and nazis and the holocaust and all that oh okay yeah yeah see and I i was about to say i think it's interesting and different that it's from the perspective of a child uh, but you're right. Um, but even still, it's like it's different because it's from the perspective of just like a bystander who's not actually like being persecuted and isn't really involved in the war effort in any way. And is a German child as well, like and is sold on this idea, which is right. very rare. It's generally, um, you know, generally the angle that you would take with the subject matter is tragedy because it's clearly like a tragic historical event. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but this this movie actually it reminds me of Charlie Chaplin's The Great Dictator in a lot of ways. Okay. Um yeah. where like both of them are very clearly satires of World War II and of just like the faults of fascist ideals and especially of like the propaganda of the Nazi regime. Yeah one of the main ways you can see that is like i feel like no one or i would i would at least hope that no one would buy a hundred percent of the propaganda that's like anti-jewish propaganda anti-semitic and is like oh yeah they have bat wings and horns and right right exactly shift and shit but like jojo in this movie is like a hundred percent sold on it like he believes he just buys it he's like oh yeah 
So like, where's your cave? He was like, where, where do you come from? Where do the Jews come from? And it's yeah. like, what? Well, we're, uh, huh. <laughs> and she kind of can't answer. But I also really appreciate that, like, their relationship, his and Elsa's relationship, develops out of her lying and being sarcastic to him. Yeah. Right? And, like, he buys into it as far as, like, cool, I'm I'm really learning about this. But then sometimes it seems like he realizes she's kidding and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, as the as the film goes on, he kind of like gets that this isn't true. Just just at least from like knowing her, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I I think it's interesting character development for her as well because you can tell that most of the time she's just kind of satirizing this like idea of what a Jewish person is and is kind of having fun with that. But there are moments where like. She talks about it in a way that feels like she is like she's almost fantasizing and reminiscing and finding comfort in talking about her people and almost like making up these myths about them. There's a line in particular where she says that their their speech is like singing. Yeah. And that's a very like non villainous trait to give them in comparison to her saying that they like hang from ceilings like bats and everything you know yeah that's that's right and well and she's also i mean she obviously gets that jojo is as gullible as he is right away oh yeah um because she's like oh yeah we're allergic to food so whatever you do don't feed us right (laughs) yeah especially not biscuits right and she's also acutely aware of everything that the nazis say about the jews and so she's able to sort of corroborate this and build up this this kind of fake identity. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. it's not a fake identity. It's a non-identity, I would say. It's not... In, yeah. yeah. And and she's very clearly using, like, fear to uh, kind of keep herself safe in the early parts as well. Like, when she comes yeah. out and comes down the stairs and everything, she's very clearly... Like, she does this thing where she's uh, tiptoeing her fingers along the banister before she fully comes into view of the camera. And it feels very like horror movie, like she is trying to threaten him into listening to her and not telling anyone. Definitely. Yeah. And she definitely takes that power position right away. And, uh, you know, with the there are no she says there are no weak Jews. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, OK, fucking Aryan break out of this simple ass chokehold I've got you. in." he's like, but you're old. Oh, my God. I my my favorite part of that is um she says uh, she's like choking him out and proves that like, you know, one race isn't stronger than the other or anything. Yeah. Um, and she says, my race wrestled angels and slayed giants. We were chosen by God. You were chosen by a pathetic little man who can't grow a full mustache. And yeah, it's so good. It's iconic. It's so excellent. Yeah. Well, and this is the thing, right? Like, like if uh i will never ever ever understand this if you appeal to any sort of religion or like biblical message that jewish people are to be persecuted and hated you're just ignoring the fact that the whole fucking bible says jewish people are god's people right like it just doesn't it just doesn't fucking make sense and we talked i think was it last 
episode or the episode before we talked about going to Catholic school. And this is an one that I was able to easily grab onto as like, yeah, obviously this is bullshit. Like there's no way you can actually subscribe to this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's fucked. Yeah. Oh, we should uh, just disclaimer. Like, obviously we've mentioned uh, that in previous episodes that we went to Catholic school, but we should note just for our perspective uh, or clarity on our perspectives uh, neither of us are Jewish. No, no, we're not. Yeah. So just wanted to put that out there so people know kind of where we're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Would have been fucking nice if Taika Waititi did that, but uh, he didn't tell anybody till after the fact. <laughs> sure. And I mean, uh, yeah, I am. I am the head of Antifa, uh, just so everyone knows. Oh, my fuck. <laughs> uh, but no, but did you hear about that? The like controversy when this movie came out? Not, I don't think so. I actually, I didn't pay attention too much about the movie until I decided that I would go see it. And I saw it with, uh, with a friend and my girlfriend. Right. I, well, I, so I think, and I'm not 100% on the details. So, uh, you know, whatever, shoot me, send me an email, but, uh, or shoot me an email, but whatever. (laughs) Um, send me a gun. I think during the awards season, there was some controversy because of the way that this movie depicted Jewish people in general. Okay. And Taika Waititi is Jewish. Uh, his his birth name is Cohen. Oh. And, uh, but he intentionally didn't tell people that he was Jewish because it f- he feared that it was going to color the way that people interpreted the movie. Right. Because they're like, okay, now this is just another movie by a jewish director depicting persecution of the jewish people i guess something like that and some people are like well fuck you should have told us you were jewish before we started getting mad about this movie you made (laughs) right so yeah that's all i meant about that i think that that's totally fair for him to do i mean like me too yeah like it's kind of his culture's history then and he gets to choose how he presents that to people exactly yeah. So like anyone who's mad about that can probably, as far as my understanding of that whole situation goes, they can probably just fuck off. Yeah. And I mean, we can, we can look more into it, not during the episode. I could have researched that ahead of time, but I wasn't certain that would come up. I should have fucking thought that would come up. <laughs> could always cut in the, the little do, 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 hold me as of me uh, researching it. Yeah. yeah. True. Yeah. Why don't I just research it now? No, I won't. Fuck it. <laughs> nah, fuck it. <laughs> um, you mentioned, yeah, you mentioned that this kind of reminds you of The Great Dictator in its, the way that it portrays Nazi values and like specifically the way that it portrays Hitler. Yes. And uh, so Taika Waititi plays Hitler. Yeah, which this. I'm sure Hitler would love to know that a Jewish person is playing him. And I love, I, I love I that. I love to know that. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting because he lives in the mind of jojo yeah and he occupies this space that is so not what hitler is right yeah he's so like a child a child's idealized version of hitler who's like this buddy buddy like oh it's okay like he's like a friendly don't worry about that jewish girl yeah he's like a friendly bubbly like yeah we can do it kind of character that's right but but at the same time Anytime it comes down to what Nazi ideals are, his he's so like matter of fact in his broken logic that it's just yeah. flawless to the point where you almost believe that that's the way that Hitler actually thought. Because that's the way that like a lot of fascists kind of present facts or quote unquote facts, things that they want you to believe are facts. Right. Is like with a matter of factness that 
makes you just say, oh, yeah, that's that must be real because he really said it can with conviction. Yeah. And then it's all bullshit. Um, yeah, I really I really like his his portrayal of Hitler and how like it slowly as like Jojo becomes more and more aware of how like nefarious this propaganda and like this these ideas he's been sold are Hitler becomes more and more unhinged because he can't just say things matter of factly and have him just say oh yeah okay sure Adolf we're buddies yeah that's right and he becomes more and more like controlling and weird and then of course near the end of the movie you get the the syphilitic dead hitler that comes back with his different uh garb on and he's like no but we're gonna fucking do it you're gonna go we're gonna win the war what are you talking about yeah yeah and it's like now he's he's ascended he's he's changed forms <laughs> yeah it's his final form he's now the hitler that everybody thinks about now the yeah. hitler that everybody parodies the unidealized reality of that person well that's right yeah <laughs> you know it is it is strange the the parallels to our modern day. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same thing really. It's the same thing. It's the cult of personality and the same sort of horrible logic and blind following. Mhm. You know. Yeah. That people are coming in and they're going to take over all of the houses that the suburban housewives have worked so hard for. That was a recent that was a recent quote. What is that? That came out of the uh, the United States this week, actually, was that they were trying to appeal to suburban wives, suburban women, being like, people are going to take your over your neighborhoods. How much would you enjoy if a low-income housing unit went up in your nice suburb? Bet you wouldn't like it. Vote for me. God, I would love it. Like, what? That doesn't even make sense. Also, you're nothing but sexist. Like, it just, it's, there's a complete disconnect there. Yeah. Man, it's all it's all a nightmare. Um, okay, so one of the things that I love about this movie is just it's so like confident in its like control of tone. Yes, like it is constantly ping ponging between like extreme tension and like goofy childlike wonderment, and then like actual sadness and like. The, something I wanted to talk about in regards to this movie, because it's it's something I've been I've mulled over for years and we've talked about before, mm -hmm. but I feel like this movie almost like embodies it to me. The idea of the separation between comedy and tragedy. OK, you know, it's just kind of like a, a given that those things don't go together. Yeah, they're supposed to be opposites. Yeah, they're supposed like everyone considers them opposites, but. I feel like in many ways, the comedy and the tragedy in this movie are heightened by the presence of one another. Yeah, I, I think the moment that sticks out to me the most is like there is a constant foreshadowing throughout the film of Jojo's mother and her shoes feet, her shoes. Yes. Yeah. They're always at eye level. She's always like standing above him. Yeah. Uh, you know, when they before they grab the bikes and they're on a bike ride. She's standing kind of above him and he's at the the pool and she has her mm -hmm. uh, she ha she's like standing on a little ledge above him. And finally, and she's dancing. It's like her shoes dancing and her. She's running somewhere like she's always doing something very active to draw your attention to them. But it's always something happy and something like 
that her and Jojo are enjoying a moment together. Yeah, yeah. And then finally, like late in the film, she is spoilers. Yeah, spoilers, of course. Uh, she is hung in the center of the square where, yeah. you know, Jewish folk and uh, I think one of them is wearing ha- has like a thing pinned to him that says he didn't pay his taxes and that's why he's hung there. Yeah, it's like just dissenters and fucking people who didn't follow what the Reich wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, that 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 isn't necessarily like the the back and forth between comedy and tragedy itself. But like this, this movie is so funny when it wants to be. And then is so sad and so like so capable of both emotions. Yeah. And you know what? I actually wrote down um, the timestamp of that scene because it's an hour and 17 minutes in. Okay. And that is like a light switch. And that movie is no longer a comedy as soon as you as soon as that scene happens, Um, which is really, really poignant. It was like it was really, really powerful because before that, I think he's like. I haven't seen my mom around. Oh, well. And he's kind of just like fooling around. Then he goes for a walk. And then that's when he comes across her body. Yeah. And it's just like a bomb drops for lack of a better phrase there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and there and there's even parts before, like they show that square where they're hanging uh, earlier in the film and the mom actually makes him watch. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then there's also the moment with the rabbit, um, which is horrifying. And that's where jojo rabbit comes from right and it's like this horrifying moment and then we go back to uh you know jojo and he's talking to his good buddy hitler about Mm -hmm. this and he kind of has like a revelatory moment he decides to run back and show everyone how how brave and strong he is yeah and he grabs a grenade and he blows himself up and like that is such a ping pong between like, oh, this really fucked up scene with this rabbit where like the kids are trying to force him to kill a rabbit and then he doesn't. So they throw it away. And then like this goofy scene where he's running through the woods with Hitler and it's it's just shot like kind of hilariously. The motions of Taika Waititi as Hitler yeah. are like so goofy. Well, he just runs like a big goof. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, back to uh, him blowing himself up, which like is is shot very funnily, funnily, very humorously. But yeah, um, funnily is good. Yeah, funnily. <laughs> it's like a funnel. Um, but then like he's in the hospital and you're kind of looking around as he's like being rehabilitated and there's like people missing limbs and everything, but they're just not in focus because that's not what jojo's like worldview is what he's perceiving yeah yeah and you know what you're saying this as uh, kind of an example of the the contrast and like usefulness of comedy and tragedy playing off of one another yeah but it's also it's so fast because depending on how you see it with him blowing himself up that could be a comedic moment or a tragic moment and it's like you know the rabbit happens he runs off into the woods and then immediately he's like yeah i'm gonna do it i'm gonna fucking do it and he runs back and he grabs the grenade and it shows up flying through the air and you're like he's gonna fucking do it he's gonna show them all and you're like yes at least this is my reaction i was like yeah you get it kid you fucking show them what's up and then it just like and it's in slow motion there and then it just like hits the tree hits the ground he stands there yeah 
and you're like, oh, fuck, that didn't actually fucking work at all. <laughs> no. And then it's like, so for for me, it was tragedy, comedy, tragedy, all in, you know, two minutes. Yeah. Which is, that's a lot to process. Yeah. And for that, the movie's pacing, I thought, was perfect. It never lingers too long. Actually, it does linger too long on a few scenes on purpose, which really add to this awkward tension, which I'll get into in a minute. But all the scenes are the right length. It's less than two hours long, which is uncommon now, actually, I think. Yeah, especially for something covering this kind of subject material. And it just does it does a really good job of telling this very, very poignant story in a way that is super accessible. And like, if you wanted this heavy war movie it gives you that and if you want this like goofy story about a kid it gives you that yeah it gives you almost like the backdrop of world war ii as just a setting for this person's experiences yeah and obviously like that setting informs those experiences nearly entirely almost entirely yeah yeah i actually so many situations you can look at as either a comedy or a tragedy like it's never just one or the other right a lot of those like really sad moments in your life are probably like gonna be the funniest in a way even if it's just a head shake like oh fuck what was that yeah yeah like sometimes you have the worst day of your life but then you think about it like five years later and you're like holy fuck that was that was hilariously terrible like how did that even happen to a person true just happens just you you just need a different writer yeah yeah to make it to change the tone yeah i think a good a really good example of a melding of the two where like it really conveys both sides of it is the scene with the gestapo near the end where they go into the his house yeah and like yeah the the main guy is so threatening but also so goofy when like everyone comes in and they're like oh heil hitler yeah and they all and they say, just say it. it like fucking six times <laughs> they yeah. say it like 20 times in that fucking whole sequence i feel like like the the thing that got me and this must have been intentional was at the end when they leave they don't all say it they say it together it's not one after another. It's all at once together. And I thought that was strange. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and they're like, we have to search the house. This is our mandate. This is why we're here. Somebody called it in. And they go through and they're very, you know, very methodical, but also very, you know, they're showing the intimidation factor by kind of just like throwing papers around and making a big show of it. Yeah. But then it's like, hey, did you see this drawing? <laughs> <laughs> you who you'd. <laughs> this is so funny. Let's look at this. <laughs> Look, he have bat wings. <laughs> oh my god, right? <laughs> like, and then it was like, uh, who's Nathan? And she's like, uh, a kid. Right? And it's so, it is so simultaneously, like, tense, but also, like, like it's hilarious when the Gestapo guy, uh, he kind of sizes up against Captain K. Uh, he's, and he's just arching over him like he's he's yeah. he's like two heads taller than the guy and like simultaneously that's very imposing but it also the framing of it is like kind of hilarious because the size difference conveys both right well and you kind of think that they're on the same page as well right mm-hmm. so like normally that would show uh like an opposition a shot like that would show an opposition but in this case it's just they're just there together talking to each other yeah yeah and it shows it like that like it would show his size difference against like the mom or elsa 
to show like, wow, look how large and imposing this German dude is. But it's just them and the, the captain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is an interesting choice. What did you think of Captain K? I thought he was great. I um, This movie for me was actually, it was all about perspectives, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got the perspective of the Hitler youth, which is also like the genuine brainwashed Nazi opinion. Right. Uh, and then you've got the opinion of like the disillusioned citizen, which I think the mother really portrays. Like she yeah. understands the war effort. She just wants peace. She's like, if the allies come in and fucking wipe out all the soldiers, great. Like this will be over. Um, which is like very much just someone who's disconnected from the war effort itself and is just living the day to day in wartime, which makes sense. And as it turns out later in the film, like is actively against it as well. Right. Yeah, of course. Um, but then Captain K was the the perspective of like the disillusioned veteran, which I liked a lot. Mm-hmm. And you learn that almost right away where he's like, Yep, fought for this fucking country, lost an eye, not allowed to fight for this country anymore. God damn it, all I want to do is fight for my country. And I guess he does, like, espouse, you know, the Nazi values, but not nearly as explicitly as some of the other characters do. See, I don't think that he's... I I think maybe he was disillusioned beforehand, even. Okay. Because, like, he's, you know, him and, and his buddy there... They're they're clearly like a couple. Oh, they yeah. Almost kiss in that one scene. And of course, like homosexuals were persecuted yeah. during the Holocaust and during this whole era of Germany. And so like, you know, maybe because he is someone who would be persecuted by that, he's just never been sold on it either. And I, I think it's that's interesting as a parallel to Jojo, who like receives this disfiguring wound that you know it's not really that big of a deal and like they'll probably be cool scars when he's older and they don't really fuck with his face that much right but he sees himself as like this ghoulish like disfigured person because he buys into the propaganda that anyone who is like damaged in some way is imperfect you know right yeah 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 exactly captain k kind of like parallels that uh by being like someone who you know jojo probably would love to be uh a captain or something uh along those lines and like looks up to him to a degree at least but is also like oh this person also is disfigured and can't serve anymore because of it right so you think that this like this disillusionment came uh before he lost his sight i think You know, I might have missed a line or two, but I think that there's no line either way that says it was before or after. I think maybe to a degree he was glad that he got out of war without being killed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, I also think the the friend, what's his name? Yoki? Oh, man, I love Yoki. (laughs) So Yoki is a good example because so Jojo gets injured and then he's not able to be a little child soldier yeah and then yoki is just like cool i'm in it like i'm gonna do it i'm fighting i'm i'm here i've got the uniform on and i'm fighting from for my country and doing the thing we gotta do and he shows up with like a huge gun strapped to his back in the one scene yeah this huge rifle and he's like they're there talking about um 
I think Jojo's just kind of like sad that he can't fight basically. Yeah. And Yoki's like, it's fine. It'll all work out. And then towards the end when the, uh, it's either just when the raid starts or, uh, just before that, he's like, Jojo's like, I found a girl. She's Jewish. (laughs) And Yoki's like, oh, cool. Like, all right. Yeah. And so it's like, it's clear that he's not, he doesn't think in a hateful way at all. He's just like along for the ride and, and wanting to fight the fight. He's just being like pushed into this position, but it's just like, yep, this is how things are. And here I am kind of, but he seems excited about it. Yeah. Like he doesn't have any kind of a role model telling him to do it or not do it. Like Jojo does. He, he seems like absolute neutral or like as absolute neutral as you could get in his position where like, you know, the being a soldier for the country and everything has been so hyped up. So of course he's like enthusiastic about it, but he's also like, uh, you know, it's not going so good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's like, well, I think we're going to lose. <laughs> There's a line where he's talking about the Russians and he's like, I heard that they, I heard that they, uh, eat babies and they, uh, sleep with their dogs and <laughs> then he mentions like that the British are like that as well. And he says, <laughs> yeah, and he's like, they're going to screw all the dogs. Well, he the line is we need to stop. The, I guess we need to stop them before they eat us and screw all our dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the perfect example of like the the brainwash. Like I heard that dot dot dot. I heard that dot dot dot. And it's like, yeah, well. Yeah, of fucking course you have to stop somebody from doing that. Of course you have to stop someone from, you know, stealing all your women with their big fucking guns and, like, eating your children. That's like, of course, it's just an obvious you threat. Gotta, you gotta... And so if that's if that's all it is, like, if that's his perspective, like, this is an obvious threat and I have to help stop it. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can't fault anybody for that, you know? And by itself, that's not something that you can, like, disagree with. Like, if someone, if you perceive a threat, you're like, I have to either run away or fight. it's fight or flight, right? There is a threat. I can either run away or I can face the threat. And if everyone's telling you, like, we need more help facing this threat, no matter what the threat is, no matter what the logic behind that is, you're like, I'm going to help. It's my responsibility. Right, right. You're going to do one or the other at least. Yeah. Yeah. I find Yoki is like the the str- the biggest well of these lines but um i really appreciate and you know you and me might call them like walk hard isms yeah and it's these bits of writing where like it is just so blatantly satirical and blatantly like worded to be a joke there there's just like breaking the fourth wall almost it, yeah where like someone looks right at the camera and says it <laughs> like <laughs> Like Yoki shows up near the end and it and he says uh, or or Jojo's like, Yoki, you're alive. And he's like, yeah, it seems like I can't die. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, because, of course, this kid should be dead from being on the fucking front lines. (laughs) But he's right. But then it's like, well, we're not going to kill him. Yeah. And then uh, when they're talking about like, um, (laughs) I remember that. I think it's right after the the dog line, but they're talking about how like everything's falling apart, and Yoki says, "Yeah, it's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely not a good time to be a Nazi." 
<laughs> it's just like, well, that's that's the end of the war. We're we're screwed. I guess I shouldn't have joined up. And he's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it it has like the same energy and like forgive me for going back to walk hard again. No, it's but good. it has the same energy as like the sixties are a very important time. Yeah. Completely. It's just like, uh, we we see this about our era right now. They're an important and exciting time. <laughs> it's not a good time to be a Nazi. <laughs> oh, man. And I just, I love that type of writing for, like, this kind of satire. Yeah. I mean, you know, ostensibly, the best time to be a Nazi would have been, like, the late 20s, when it was really just picking up steam, when everybody was really excited and the Depression hadn't hit yet. You're like... Fuck yeah, things are good. Fascism is the way to go. We are rebuilding this country. Holy fuck, I am on board. Let's do it. Yeah, let's get in on the ground floor of Nazism. And everybody's like, yeah, fascism fucking rocks. Like, this is (laughs) the new movement. This is great. Not a fan, personally. As captain of Antifa. (laughs) Fuck, don't say that. (laughs) We're going to get hunted down by a drone. (laughs) Yeah, a, true. A drone. Somebody going, um, are you <laughs> Antifa? I'm a drone. And I'm like, no, sorry. I said anti-fudge. I just don't like it. I don't think it's worth the sugar content. Yeah, it's a little bit too rich. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like a shitty brownie. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So... I actually, I don't know if we finished the thing of me uh, saying about Captain K. Did we finish that part? I don't think we did. So, yeah, you had asked what the what my opinion on Captain K was. And I said, you know, that this movie is a contrast between these several perspectives. And so the fact that he is like this disillusioned veteran that has like, he's not able to, to perform the, the role that he wanted to perform. Mm-hmm. Even if it was a role that, you know, we, he said, well, fuck, I'm not, I don't really want to do this, but I want to train these kids even less. You know, at least if you're leading a platoon into battle, like if you get shot and killed, it's like, great. Yeah, done. I don't have to fucking do that anymore. But now it's like, great. I have to help brainwash these kids. And so he becomes, he kind of becomes the sounding board and like the male role model of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which is neat. Because because he's so not he's he's way less vocal with his Nazi values, I think that it actually helps Jojo release some of those thoughts because he doesn't have anybody else in immediately in his life going like, yeah, this is the fucking way to think. Yeah, yeah. Right. Even like if you look around, his mom doesn't. Obviously, Elsa doesn't. Yoki doesn't. And Captain K doesn't. And those are kind of his immediate bubble. Yeah. And so that's, yeah, that's kind of my, was how I perceived the role that he played. Also, just the fucking, so da- that's Dax Shepard. Just the cast in this movie is incredible. Oh, it's it's very good. Yeah. yeah. All over the place. And I was just like, oh, fuck. I didn't look into that, in, into who played it. I did myself a disservice by reading the, like, the Google summary. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to mention, um, speaking of the cast, uh, Rebel Wilson plays mm-hmm. like this, like very stereotypical, like German Fraulein. And she's fucking, she's so funny in this role. She's when so she's good. like, 
She's got like the gun and she's like talking to Captain K and is just pointing the gun at his face like casually. And it's just like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. She's just like, I have to go kill some people. Yeah. And then one of the things that like I realized as I was rewatching it is she has it looks like like fucking 10 kids and they're all like the same kid. No, she says that she has 18 children. Yeah. And and I think that they might all be played by one kid and they just like did several takes or something. When was that? I didn't notice that they it like cuts to them in the office, but it's like very briefly. But I didn't realize. But at the end. You know how like she like puts a grenade in the back of like a kid's pants and the kid runs off to like go fight? Yeah, it's like strapped to his back like a suicide bomber. Yeah. That's one of her kids. Fuck yeah. Dude, because she she's just raising them for Hitler. Yeah, she's just pumping out soldiers. She's breeding Nazi war machines. Like that's it. And that's like literally her like intro as well when she's talking about like she's going to teach the girls how to like get, like birth more soldiers basically that's what they said they're like you're gonna learn how to dress a wound and have more children yeah (laughs) it's also she's because she's also like she fills the role of the teacher the classroom teacher so when they're at the blackboard and she's like okay let's talk about what jews are does anyone else know what jews are and instead of like telling them she's like taking suggestions which is they're like um horns (laughs) yes that's good horns yeah that sounds about right that sounds bad she's like yeah sure good nice one pal billy (laughs) fucking nailed it buddy oh oh man it's brutal so i think finally like one of my favorite things is early in the movie hitler when he leaves jojo's room just fucking jumps out a window yeah and you're just like why and there's no thunk sound as he like hits the ground because he's no it's nothing know. he's a ghost well because hitler can fly that's the actual reason oh that makes sense <laughs> yeah sure um but you know because he's a, a figment of jojo's imagination um and i really love how that bookends the film when he says fuck off hitler and, and kicks, kicks him, him out. right out the fucking window. Yeah. I lost my mind in the theater when I saw that. I couldn't believe that I was watching a film that included that line and had that and had that in there, not just as a joke, but as like the culmination of this character's arc, you know? Yeah. Like it's an important moment, but it's also hilarious. Yeah, definitely. I think that the scene where he jumps out the window, he's like, we're having unicorn for dinner, so see you later. And that's kind of like the scene where it cements the relationship between Hitler and Jojo. Yeah, like he is, he's always going to be above him. And it's even that unicorn bit is like reinstated later when Jojo is like starving, looking for food in like trash cans and everything. And Hitler is sitting across the table from him eating a unicorn a head. full unicorn head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the other thing that I liked about that scene, and this movie has a lot of them, uh, we talked about, like, I talked about the lingering shots that just stay for yeah. a little bit too long. I don't remember what the context of that scene actually is, but he, like, says his thing, and then he just kind of, like, stands around for a minute, and he's like, well, gotta go. We're having unicorn. Bye. And just jumps out the window. Yeah. And there's the other one is the uh, is when Rebel Wilson's character is talking to them at the pool and she just like bum scooches oh my along God, right? and it's like five seconds too long where it's just like, 
a, a distant <laughs> far shot of just her like eh, eh, eh. it's like a very wide shot and she's like barely scooting as she like moves yeah. towards them which is just i think that's a very like rebel wilson thing yeah to do like she's done that kind of awkward movement in other stuff um yeah and yeah. the third the third one of those of those kinds of scenes is the german shepherds scene which fucking <laughs> killed me yeah <laughs> i said i've onto german shepherds and then it's just like shows the german shepherds <laughs> and they're just and they're just standing there and the camera just stays on them stays fixed on them right and then it's like sorry i guess i'll take them back okay everybody go home <laughs> but then they come up at the end where they're like all the fucking peasants and citizens just running around shooting shit and dying yeah yeah it's like there's the German shepherds. They got in the war after all. And being led by Captain K. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so imagine me who saw this in theaters and went to the bathroom during the scene with the German shepherds and with the with him showing off his uniform. And then we get to the end of the film and fucking Captain K like, shows up fuck? in like eyeliner with this fucking like fabulous outfit and just is shooting this weird gun. It's like Liberace. <laughs> Yeah. right and then there's like the and and i'm watching that and the part that my girlfriend and my friend are getting excited about is the is something about german shepherds and i'm like what do you see his outfit what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> yeah. yeah that was uh very confusing that's a bad time i don't i don't go to the bathroom if i pay for a movie i i i tried so hard not to but i i was just full of piss and vinegar pissing somebody's lemonade yeah yeah you know what let's um let's talk a little bit more about mom yeah rosie yeah rosie was a, an absolute gem a jewel even yeah i think she's like a, a lovely character i think she's the best character in this movie in my opinion she's she's at least my favorite character because she is again she's this like disillusioned citizen like first and foremost outside of the uh, actual roles that she plays in relationship with other characters. Yeah. But she is also like, she highlights the plight of the single parent, first of all, especially in the scene with mom and dad where she's playing both back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. You really understand what her mindset is, but then she also, you know, really tries to educate Jojo on the values of the time. When you gave the example earlier of her, like showing them the gallows, just like, yeah, you better look, you better you better look and understand the world that you're living in and understand what the values are but without actually pushing those values on her son yeah she's a very very dense character to try to dissect i think there's a lot going on there yeah yeah like it, it's kind of crazy how little screen time there is and how much they get across with that little right like every scene with her has like some power like it, it has some powerful amount of like her educating and her passing on this like kind of emotional intelligence to Jojo. And she, there's also always like some sort of joke or something that's like legitimately funny. Like she feels, she feels quirky in an honest way that is very charming. I agree with that. Yeah, totally. But she's also just like the mom. Like she's also very much just like the parent. Okay, let's go out for a bike ride. Yeah. Let's go make sure you wash your face like this is very much the the vibe it's funny because she honestly reminded me of your mom a bit oh that's funny okay and kind of like your 
relationship. Not that you were a tiny Hitler youth or anything. Um, no, I do have blonde hair and blue eyes, but that's incidental. Yeah, <laughs> that, and that's your mom's fault. So um, true. <laughs> but like, you know, just uh, like single parent, but doing a good job of it, I would say. And like, yeah, obviously, like this movie conveys some of those struggles as well. Yeah, I, uh, I, well, I, I never had matching PJs with my mom like they do, but um, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. And she, you know, it's just clear that she's trying so hard to raise this kid and is so patient, even when he's constantly talking back or disobeying or saying something sarcastic or like not giving her credit for something that like is obvious that she's like, it's, it's obvious that she puts something on or that she does a particular thing specifically for Jojo and he just, he's completely blind to it. And she yeah. just perseveres through that and is like, I'm just, I just have to do my job as mom. And that's really good. Yeah. 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 Which made it even worse, you know, when he finds her hanging. Yeah. That's the thing is like, she's so likable that like you really do, you feel for Jojo and like his loss there. Yeah. Because in a lot of things, where a, an important character is killed off, it can fall flat because they almost spend too much time foreshadowing the death in the writing and they aren't talking enough. They don't actually build up the character as like a likable person. They just let you know that this person is important to the other character. Yeah. They expect you to only care because like that character is sad that they've passed. But in this movie, they they make you like that character and you want them to show up. But then when they pass away, like you feel some of that loss as well, because for a good chunk of the movie after that, a lot of the light has kind of like left it, you know, like definitely. And that's that's why I said, you know, that's kind of the turning point of where it stops being a comedy and starts being a tragedy. Yeah. And you're almost like when I was watching it, I felt like when Jojo's going around the house looking for her and can't find her, it's like I wanted to know where she was. I was like, well, where's mom? She's supposed to be home. She's supposed to be in the scene. And even before that, you're like, huh, she hasn't been on camera for a while. Yeah, yeah. Right? Even just like, oh, that's a that's a character that hasn't shown up. And that's, I think that that's hard to write. I don't think I've had that experience with a character in a long time where I'm like actually questioning where they are and what they're doing when they're not on camera, which I think is really impressive. Yeah, yeah. I can only think of like a handful of times where i've had that yeah uh i wanted to talk about the score what did you think about the music you know i don't think i noticed a whole lot other than like oh this is this is good i think the thing that stuck out to me the most it's not uh you know music written for the movie but i really like the use of the german versions or german version of the the beatles song that plays at the start i think it's i want to hold your hand it is, yeah. It makes sense to me that they uh, had this because the the Beatles used to play a whole bunch. Used to play those dark clubs in Hamburg. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. They used to play a, a whole lot of shows in Germany, and that's where, really where they got their start. And that was one of their earlier singles. So it makes sense that they would have a German version of that to cater to that audience. Yeah. There's also a German version of Heroes by David Bowie later in the movie. What I really appreciated about the the soundtrack generally was like i think there are two two specific montages in the movie the one is the training camp the hitler youth camp montage where they have the tom waits song in there yeah 
uh, and then they've there's one later on. It might just be where they're dancing. Maybe it's before that. I don't remember. Anyway, there's another song. Yeah. And there's I Want to Hold Your Hand. Or like, Come Give Me Your Hand is the is the translation. Yeah. It's interest. It was interesting to me when I watched this, the you know, when I watched this the first time, because yeah. I actually, in high school, I uh, acquired a discography of the Beatles uh, through some means. Um, and I listened through the entire Beatles discography in chronological order uh, over the course of like a month or two, I think. Yeah. And uh, I remember specifically hearing these. Uh, there's a couple songs that there's German versions of. And I remembered hearing this and, you know, just from like family and everything. I'm very familiar with the Beatles work. And then I hear like the music kind of start up and I was like, oh, OK. And then it starts doing the German version. And it was just like, oh, I remember this. Yeah. It's it's weird. And so that song and then the Tom Waits one and the David Bowie one, I think were the only three like with air quotes here, pop songs in the mm-hmm. soundtrack. And they were at very specific moments where it's like, as a filmmaker, let's do a montage. Yeah. Right. Like here's the opening credits montage. And it's juxtaposed with these like Nazi propaganda films with I Want to Hold Your Hand. And then there's the training one which is like, I never want to grow up or I'll never grow old or something. I don't remember. Um, mm-hmm. But the rest of the music in the film was very, very sparse. And I really appreciated that because it almost felt like you were living in that setting. Uh, it was all yeah. like music from the gramophone that mom dances to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or just like very, you know light somber strings and keys and very yeah very low and just atmospheric and adding to the emotion of a scene but not in a way where you would ever pay attention to the score yeah and like when i was listening i i I tried particularly to start thinking about what is the music in this movie actually doing and then i noticed not a fucking lot and i think that's great i think that um the use of music being a music guy the use of music sparingly can be really, really thematically appropriate and effective. And it gives contrast to something like Jimmy Neutron, where it's like these constant (laughs) fucking like pop songs just going all the time, Yeah, yeah. you know, and that drives me nuts in a soundtrack. (laughs) So was that one where he's in the lab and it's like, I can smell your chemicals or something. I can smell the chemicals. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I love it. Why it's wasn't Jamie that in this Neutron movie? Time. What was that? That was the. Why? No, why wasn't that in this movie? Oh, because they. I'm not going to say why. <laughs> Man, this movie's a fucking minefield. Um, we're good. We're good to go. Yeah, we're fine. <laughs> Fuck. It's fine. Fuck, where you... were we? We were just talking about the score, and I can smell the chemicals. <laughs> sparse score. I was talking about a sparse, the very sparse score. Yeah, and I, I think the score being that sparse is kind of why I didn't notice. But of course, like you, and you know, maybe I should try and make that more of an active uh, thing that I think about. But I find oftentimes scores drop off into the background unless they're particularly like characteristic like they don't sound like a typical score right 
Yeah. Yeah. And this is, you know what? This is actually something that's been fairly recent for me when I'm watching a movie is trying to pay attention more to what the music is doing and what the sound design adds. And Mm -hmm. yeah, this, this movie, I mean, as far as sound design, it was all very realistic. There wasn't a lot of, you know, really crazy sound effects or anything that were like, that didn't fit the setting. So is it good? So I suppose it's my responsibility to go first since you've assigned me this piece. Yes, sir. Well, yeah, objectively, I thought that this movie did uh, a lot of things right. I actually think there was very little that this movie did wrong. Um, I think we really we really did discuss the contrast of comedy and tragedy, which it really makes good use of. Mm-hmm. I think character development is excellent for the characters that the movie wants you to care about yeah you know it doesn't need any more explanation of the gestapo yeah guys because you know what the gestapo is and their one scene makes it powerful enough you know and then you see them being taken away by americans at the end and you're like okay now that chapter is closed it it brings everything to a close very nicely they they've been gestopped 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 oh gestopped yeah uh, the one character we didn't actually talk about very much was Elsa. Um, I don't know what I think about her, to be honest with you. And this is maybe this isn't part of my object- objective thing. I think that if I watched it again, I would be able to pick out more about her. Um, right. More about her motivations. But she seems, at least on the face of it, to just be a character who's fighting for their life, but has a lot more energy in her still than that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's definitely a movie I want to watch again. Uh, I think... Like objectively, I would probably give this an eight point five. Like this is a, I think this is a very very good movie. Yeah, yeah. And for myself, this is like, uh, this movie nails it for me. I loved this yeah. movie. Oh man, I figured you would. Yeah, I'm so glad that I watched this. I, uh, yeah, fuck, don't know. This is like a nine or higher. Man, I think, I think I'm right there with you. Like this movie, you know, on all objective fronts, it just fucking nails it you know as much as we can be objective uh yeah i always want to point that out oh it's hard when you really like something yeah (laughs) yeah um you know there's no such thing as absolute objectivity but we we try um but i yeah i would say like an eight or an 8.5 and then personal rating is like 8.5 or a nine like it's just so i appreciate anything that like really fucks with and blends uh comedy and tragedy together and is just but like has control of its tone and can make you feel those things strongly on both ends of the spectrum absolutely and i yeah i got pretty emotional i was watching this at work because that's what i do watch movies at work sure uh and i was like (laughs) fuck like this is heart-wrenching you know you feel for the kid you feel for all of the characters at some point you're like shit yeah and then you're like oh that's fucking hilarious what (laughs) And a movie that can right? do that is just is I think is just incredibly impressive. So yeah, on all fronts, I think this is a beautiful movie. Absolutely, you don't got a fifty eight percent on Metacritic. I don't even know what Metacritic yeah, is. Yeah, that's fucking stupid. I don't know. I like to just make passing references to films or to to ratings, but then like I don't care about them at all. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think that'll be it for us. Uh, we will see you in episode eight, part B. Isle of Dogs.